Have you ever tried to pack for a trip to a place that you've never been to before? You run around crazy trying to pack every single thing that you need or that you might need just in case. And when you get there, you worry, am I going to know where to go and what to do and how to find my way? It's kind of the same thing with our spiritual lives. We wonder about what this place is going to be like. Will I have what I need? Am I going to say the right thing? Will I even know what to say or how to speak the language? But when it comes to following God, you don't need a thing. He calls us out upon the water, the great unknown, but he calls us to come as you are. He'll give you what you need, guides and supplies. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you. And we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Hey, everyone, welcome to worship this morning. So glad that you could be with us. And if it's your first time with us at Tower Hill, very special welcome to you. Well, this week we have a guest preacher, my good friend, Reverend Jesse Skippington from Marine View Presbyterian Church as we're doing this sermon series together called Never Alone, Your Adventure Awaits. And so now let me introduce to you again, Pastor Jesse. Well, good morning, Tower Hill, and good morning again to you, Marine View. Uh, for those who don't know me yet, or maybe you missed last week and you're kind of wondering who I am, uh, my name is Jesse Skiffington. I'm the pastor at Marine View Church in Tacoma, Washington, way up here in the Pacific Northwest. And Pastor Jason is a good friend of mine from our days in seminary at, at Princeton Theological Seminary. And not only did we win a flag football championship together, which I am certain uh, will come up again. It came up last week. I'm mentioning it today. But we also did our chaplaincy training together at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital there in New Brunswick. We spent a lot of time studying together during seminary and just had a great friendship that grew out of that time. And since that time, we've attended a lot of conferences together, and we do leadership things together so we can stay connected. And uh, out of that grew um, a podcast that we co-host, a leadership podcast. And so I consider Jason to be a really great friend, and I'm so glad that uh, he is serving with you all as pastor at Tower Hill. And you are, are blessed to have him. Jason is just an amazing guy. And this month, we're teaming up. And Marimbi, I'm so glad to get to share Jason with you. But I'm going to be preaching the next two weeks. So you're going to have to hang in there, and you're going to hear from Jason at the end of the month. I'm going to preach the next two sermons in the series, and then Jason will wrap us up at the end of August. And not only did that give Jason and I both just a little bit of a breather and a chance to kind of uh, just rest a little bit, connect with our families, and, and kind of get that creative uh, thinking process going again, it also changes things up for you all. It gives you kind of a fresh voice and fresh perspective. So glad that we can do this. Glad that Jason and I can share these messages and work together. It's been fun getting ready for it, and now it's, it's fun getting to share these messages with you. And I love this. I love that we can be the church together, even across this great distance. Now, I was kind of curious about it this week, and I was wondering about the distance between Marine View Church here in Tacoma, Washington, and Tower Hill out there in Red Bank, New Jersey. Just how far is it? So I did a Google search and Google mapped it, and uh, it turns out that it's 2,869 miles between our campuses. And Google suggested that I take I-90 most of the way, and of course, Google wanted me to know there might be some tolls along the way. And then I love this. It said, you know, it's about 43 hours of driving, and then there was this little thing down below that said, you might want to consider flying from Seattle to Newark instead of driving. Anyway, last week, Jason and I, uh, we kicked off this series, this coast-to-coast -coast series, by acknowledging that the pandemic 
and the, the uncertainty that has come with it has been disruptive to our lives and even to our faith. As the buildings have closed, as our church campuses have closed, as the novelty of the online church experience has waned and you kinda, you're kind of left wondering, and maybe for many folks, maybe even for you, it's kind of like you hit the pause button on your faith. Not on purpose so much. It's not something you thought, oh, you know, I'm just going to take a break from my faith. But when so much of the rhythm of your faith is connected to the Sunday morning experience and with so much of our life together in community is connected to that time when we're in person together, man, we've been challenged. We've been pressed. And in some ways, it's almost like we kind of hit the pause button and we need to embrace the adventure again, learn to live as followers of Jesus in, in a different time. So we challenge you to think about your life with Jesus as something more, uh, something bigger than a Sunday morning experience. To see it as an adventure to be lived every day when you say yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, calling you to follow him. Jason reminded us last week that at times like these, uh, in times like these, we can be left kind of feeling alone. And he mentioned a show that he's been watching called Alone, in which people go out and try to survive in the wilderness for a prize. And one of the things that's hardest for them is a feeling of loneliness that comes with it. And we talked about how our adventure with Jesus means that we're never really alone. Not only is God with us, but we also have a community to walk alongside us. And I talked about that old game from my childhood, the Oregon Trail, the invitation to make a choice, to hit the trail, to live the adventure with Jesus and as part of his community. And it turns out we don't have to wait for the pandemic to end. We don't have to wait for the uncertainty to go away. In fact, we're going to live with some degree of uncertainty throughout the experience of our lives. Our adventure begins now when we say yes. So today we're going to continue the conversation by looking at uh, someone who needed guides and who needed to, to build the skills of faith. Uh, and it's a life-changing moment that this person has how they came to say yes to Jesus, how their adventure began, and how God provided guides and supplies to get him ready for the trail, to get him ready for the adventure as a follower of Jesus. So let me share uh, just a little bit about this individual and see if you can recognize him. For those who are, are, are familiar with the story of the church, you, you'll probably recognize him. If you're new, um, you're going to learn about him. But this person established churches throughout the known world. Uh, this person stood up for Jesus in the face of persecution. This person was beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, and would ultimately die for his faith. Now, you and I, if you're around the church, you know him as Paul, the apostle, the one who took the message of Jesus to the known world, to the Greco-Roman world, who would go on to write two-thirds of the books in the New Testament. This was a man who inspired young leaders. This was someone who wrote passionately to encourage and challenge churches and uh, to help people live Jesus' way. But he didn't start there. In fact, at the beginning, he even had a different name, Saul. And when it came to Jesus, Saul wanted nothing more than to destroy this new movement of people who were following in the way of Jesus. He thought it was absurd, these people who, who thought Jesus had died and had risen again. And he wanted to bring an end to the, to the movement that had gathered around that news. In fact, the very first thing we hear about Saul in the story of the early church is when he is standing there holding the cloaks of those who are, are stoning a Christian named Stephen to death. Saul is out to destroy the church, to destroy this new movement. But God had other plans in mind for Saul. He had an adventure for Saul to live as a follower of Jesus. And God knew that he would need guides and he would need some supplies along the way. Now I believe 
God has an adventure for you and for me when we put our faith and our trust in him. And when we follow him, God's going to provide those guides and those supplies, those things we need for the journey ahead too. I'm going to read now from the, the book of Acts uh, and the account of how Saul became a follower of Jesus. And this is one of those accounts in the New Testament that really shapes the course of the early Christian movement and really the church to come. And so as I read Luke's account in Acts chapter 9, if you want to read along with me, fantastic. It'll be here on the screen. But if you want to open your Bible and do that, fantastic. We'd love to have you follow along. But I want you to listen for and take note of two things. First, I want you to think about the people God is working through that God uses to guide Saul in his first days walking with Jesus. Look for guides. And second, I want you to look at the practices of faith the skills, the tools, what we might call the supplies of a growing relationship with Jesus. How do those come into the story? Where do we see the things that you need, the skills, the practices, the disciplines of a follower of Jesus show up in the story? So here's what Luke writes. Look for the guides, look for the supplies. I'm going to read the story, and we pick it up in Acts 9, verse 3. As Saul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Saul, on the road to Damascus, has had an encounter with Jesus that changes him. He had actually been on his way to Damascus to uh, see if he could find any followers of the way, of the way of Jesus there, and to arrest them, whether they were men or women, bring them back to Jerusalem to, to be put in prison to face trial. But Saul has this encounter with Jesus that's changing him, and, and he gets up from the ground, and he's blind. And this blindness, I believe, demonstrates not only that Saul uh, had had an encounter with uh, just the amazing power of Jesus, but it demonstrates that Saul was blind spiritually, that he had been on the wrong path. Though he had been out and kind of using God as the excuse for what he was doing, kind of defending his Jewish faith, Saul had actually been on the wrong path. He had missed it about the adventure with Jesus. And now that he has this encounter with Jesus, and it's changing him. Now, I don't know about you, but um, maybe you've had an encounter with Jesus too. It might not be quite as dramatic as Saul's. But experiencing in some way Jesus tugging at your heart, drawing you, calling you toward him, inviting you to follow him, to live the adventure with him. You get to answer that question as we looked at last week. What's your choice? Are you going to be up for the adventure? I love what happens next in the story. God provides a reluctant guide for Saul and his first steps as a follower of Jesus. This is what Luke says happened next. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here 
with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I love this. Ananias knows Saul's story. He knows how dangerous of a guy Saul is. But Ananias hears God's voice speaking through the Holy Spirit, and he responds. Ananias risks going to see Saul. He risks trusting Jesus that much. And now Saul has become a follower of Jesus, and he can see again. And he can really see this time. He can really see for the first time the reality of who Jesus is, what Jesus means for his life and for the world. And now the Holy Spirit is a part of Saul's life too. And the adventure is beginning. The first guide is the one who helped Saul, who helps you maybe take those first steps as a follower of Jesus. Now, we're going to look at this a little bit later in this series, but maybe you are that guide for someone. Maybe God wants to work through you to help someone take those first steps as a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you're a Christian, but you're taking your first steps to go deeper in faith, and you need someone to help guide you along the way. Maybe you're ready to follow Jesus. You just need someone to, to help you know how to begin to do that. We all need a guide. Maybe you need a guide like Ananias to help you. And I'd invite you just to ask God if that's what you need, to, that God would provide a guide like that in your life. Now, Luke says that Saul spent some time in Damascus with the disciples and that he began to preach and to teach about Jesus. And people there were amazed because Saul, just days before, had been breathing out threats against the Christians and had been out to get them. And, and, and people were amazed and shocked by it. In fact, some of the Jewish people, kind of the plot grew against Saul because of this turn in a new direction. And he had to actually escape from Damascus with help. He got kind of taken out of the city. Now, when you follow Jesus and, and when you begin to do that, especially if it's a new thing for you, others might not get it about why you would do that. You can explain about the adventure and about how Jesus has called you, but still they might think that you've kind of lost it, especially when you're first starting out. You just got to know that there will be people in your life that won't get it and maybe will ask you why you've changed, perhaps will even express concern for you. Are you sure you, you should be doing this? It's, it seems a little crazy. The disciples were there. I love this. God provides some guides again. The disciples in Damascus were there. They rallied around Saul, and they helped him get back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. The disciples in Damascus were guides, were a community to help Saul to keep his feet grounded in this newfound life as a follower of Jesus. We need that kind of community. We need guides uh, through our community that God provides too. Listen to what Luke says happened as we kind of wrap up our passage here. That's what happened next, Luke says. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him 
not believing that he really was a disciple. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas ends up being another guy. The disciples, the apostles in Jerusalem were suspicious of Saul. They thought maybe he was using this as a tactic to, to get in close to them. But Barnabas, we're going to learn more about in the story as it goes along. Barnabas steps in as an encouragement to Saul. He is the bridge between Saul and the community. Helps him find his place in the community. Barnabas is another guide. Barnabas is going to be the one that we know as an encourager. And I just want to say again, you guys are you're so blessed to have Jason as a pastor because he's, he's kind of a Barnabas kind of guy, at least to me. He's a source of an encouragement on the adventure. Uh, he's passionate about the church, passionate about leadership, passionate about moving beyond the status quo. He, he's passionate about really equipping and encouraging Christians to, to know and to follow Jesus, to live the adventure. Jason, you've been that for me. You, you challenge me. You encourage me along the way. Guides help us in the early days of getting to know and follow Jesus. Guides invite us to be a part of a community to help us find our feet in, in, and be rooted in community. And guides provide encouragement in the face of the challenges that will come in our journey and our adventure with Jesus. So I hope you have guides in your life. Give that some thought, and I'm going to mention a little bit more about that in just a moment. But we also need supplies for the journey. We need food. We need tools. We need to make it through the adventure with Jesus. And I just want to acknowledge this is kind of a bit of a loose term here. And really what I mean by supplies is kind of the key practices and, and the presence of the Holy Spirit that you'll need for life as a follower of Jesus. You, you notice in our passage that Ananias and Saul, both are spending time in prayer. Prayer, it turns out, is, is a really vital aspect of life with Jesus. It's something that we're good at talking about and we know that we should be praying, but prayer is such a vital, a vital tool, a vital supply in our life of faith. Another supply that Saul had on his, to, at his disposal, Saul was an expert in the Jewish law, what we call the Hebrew Scriptures. And now Saul had the opportunity to, to understand the Hebrew Scriptures in light of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And now he's going to read it through this new lens, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he, he needed to have a growing understanding of, of what the Hebrew Scriptures meant for who Jesus is and what he came to do and to be about for the world. So prayer and a growing understanding of Scripture are needed for the adventure. We need help uh, diving into God's Word, learning how to spend time with Him. And then finally, we, we need the Holy Spirit to help us, to strengthen us, to empower us for the journey. As followers of Jesus, we believe that when we put our trust in Jesus, His Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is there to convict us and to challenge us, to empower us, to, to guide and direct us. We can know that we're never alone because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And here's the bottom line. God has an adventure waiting for you. You might not establish churches all over the world, the right two-thirds of the New Testament, but you have a part to play in God's big story. Who are the guides that God has placed in your life? Maybe look back at the Ananias in your life. Who was there as you took your first steps? Who is the Barnabas in your life now? Who can encourage you? What about the community of the disciples are you investing in community? Are you connected in a small group or with, with a group of Christians that can really know and, and know you and, and help you along in your, your adventure? Are you investing in uh, the guides that can help you along the way? How can you build the supplies, the toolkit, the skills you need as a follower of Jesus? Are you taking time to, to invest in a growing knowledge and understanding of God's word and how it applies to your life and to the circumstances of the world around you? Have you reached out to ask some of those guides about their prayer life? 
How do you cultivate a life of prayer and a connection to God and his heart and his love for you? How do you develop the ability and the desire to listen for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct your steps, to hear that, that nudging, that, that prompting from the Holy Spirit as you live the adventure? Now, this is the thing. When you have guides and supplies, they're only useful if you actually step out in faith to live the adventure. If Saul had just heard the news and had this experience and walked away, it would have been all for nothing. But he stepped out in faith to begin to live the adventure. And it would be an incredible adventure. In the past couple of weekends, you know, I needed to restain my deck. And I was needed to sand it down and restain it. And, and I, I had to paint the rails. And I knew this big project was coming. So I got a bunch of the supplies ready. And I rented the drum sander. And I watched a few YouTube videos from pros who knew how to do it right. But the deck wasn't going to restain or paint itself. I had to put those tools, I had to put those guides to use. I had to do the work and start the project. I had to live that adventure. And I did, and I, I think it turned out okay. But sometimes, and I know this might sound a little harsh, but Christians can have the supplies. They can even have the guides in their life that God has provided. Maybe it's someone like Jason or your small group leader or your youth leaders or Sunday school teachers or mentors. You know about scripture. You know about prayer. You know about the Holy Spirit. You, you have all the supplies you need. You have the guides in your life, but you don't ever take the step to live the adventure. You never, like Saul, step out in faith to begin to live Jesus' way or to really put your faith into action. Or maybe you just kind of got stagnant and, and you need to be motivated to put those things into action again, to put those resources to use in your real life, in your real circumstances. See, Christianity sometimes can be an idea rather than a lifestyle. It's a nice thought rather than a lived experience. You have everything you need for the adventure. But you may be missing the adventure of life following Jesus if you never put those guides and supplies to use. So let me ask you, do you need to pack up your supplies? Reach out to your guides? Do you need to take a step of faith again? Maybe you're stagnant in your faith. Maybe you've kind of settled for the status quo or sort of hit the pause button in the midst of the pandemic. Maybe you've just kind of forgotten what it's like to trust Jesus with your real life, your real circumstances. And this week, I just want you to wrestle with this. Maybe you ask yourself this question. Who is a guy that I can reach out to in my adventure with Jesus? Who has been a guy that I can stop to say thank you to and then to acknowledge the role they've played in my life and faith? Maybe you can ask this question, what supplies do I need right now in my life as a follower of Jesus? Do I need to reinvest in my prayer life? Do I need to double down on, on studying and understanding God's word and how it applies to my real life? Maybe you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit's presence in your life and how to cultivate that and how to listen for God's voice to speak and, and to lead and to guide your steps. Now is the time, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe the good news, follow me. Now is the time to invest in guides and supplies as you get ready to hit the trail. Next week, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at moving down the trail when we begin to really live the adventure. Looking at the lens, we need to make our way down the trail. You see, the trail of the adventure of life as a follower of Jesus, it's made up of all kinds of things. It's made up of decisions and choices it's made up of interactions and relationships. It's made up of direction. How do we know which way to go and what choices to make? 
I look forward to diving into that more next week with you. Hope you'll join us again for this team message series as we look at this idea that we're never alone. The adventure awaits. That we have the guides and the supplies we need to live the adventure well. Let's pray. God, we do give you thanks that you love us and that you're with us. God, thank you for the guides that you put in our lives. Would we be attentive to their voice and to invest in those relationships? God, would you help us to to gather the supplies we need to invest in our prayer life, to, to invest in studying and understanding your word and what it means for our real lives and our real experiences? God, would you help us to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, guiding and directing our steps? Thank you so much, God, for the community you place us in, for Tower Hill and for Marine View. Would you work in in and through our communities to help each one of us on the adventure following your son, Jesus? Thanks, God, that you're with us in these things. Thank you for the story of Saul and how you turned his heart around and he began to follow you and the impact that's made on all of us. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Thanks that you meet us in the circumstances and the uncertainty that we go through. We thank you so much for the time we've spent together in your word and ask for your blessing on us as we go. And pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.